Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and let us affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope, that the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to once again be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil in sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed, as before, all of the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your holy countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Allow us to find your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Скажи твое жало, О ад, где победа твоя? Эхом из голгов и звучало, Свершилась, содрогнула земля. Как Бог мог смотреть на страдания, что Сын принимал на кресте, А мертвых солнца сияния, И тьма воцарилась везде.
умер, в гробнице лежал он два дня, а на третий воскрес. Явился своим, утверждая, я жив, я жив, я воскрес. Прошло так уж много столетий, А свет воскресения Христа Сияет, как солнце на небе, Плечет ко спасению сердца.
And so as always, before we begin to study the depths of our eternal or heavenly inheritance, the eternal word that abides forever, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the word of God is Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our colla collaboration with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in understanding what is necessary to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off a former way of life and put on the new form of life. Ephesians 4 the book of Ephesians 4, 22-24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, as much as we already know, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs, and these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions, to put off, be renewed, and put on, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever and in result then our names be forever blotted out of the book of life? In other words, if we will not put off our former way of life, we will not be renewed by the spirit of our mind, and we will not <clears throat> be dressed into our new person to put off the old and put on the new, we will experience a shipwreck in faith. And it won't be important that we're confident that we're saved and that they'll bury us with music and will send us to heaven. We will end up in hell. This is scary and unfortunate and sorrowful that the children of God, instead of inheriting what they're supposed to, they today, for the most part, care about some kind of missionary work, running somewhere and telling someone something. Jesus said specifically, what good is it for a man if he obtains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what good, or what price would a, pr a man pay for his soul? There's not a way and there's not a price. The price of missionary services do not compare with the price of your life. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. The holy people for in the past generations, they accepted this by faith and confessed the non-existent as existent. They died in faith not receiving what was promised so that they not obtain it without us. They truly 
put off their former way of life, they were renewing their mind by the spirit of their mind, but were not able to dress themselves into their new person because there was a, for this promise is its own time. This was the last days before the Lord raises his church. He needs to dress her into the new body to show the difference between those who truly served him and those who didn't serve him. The difference he will show here on earth specifically. They died in the faith, not receiving what was promised. They continued to believe and confess that promise that their bodies are dressed. They called or pr proclaimed the not existent as existent. We today live in this point of time, upon this edge of the knife, when all of this is to, be, to happen or come to pass. And we, when we speak about clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of his redeeming mercy, the means of receiving any kind of help from God in the form of the inheritance of his mercies is the weaponry of prayer and worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, and man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth. Relevant here is one of the prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm. It very clearly opens for us the conditions, the grounds upon which a person is called to prepare a legal foundation for God so that God would intervene with his mercy into his life, intervene also within the boundaries of those aspects that we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. This has become the subject we've been studying. Let's read it again, Psalm 143, 1 through 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so David was far from tolerance that God loves all and that he, God needs to save all. He said, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. Someone can say that this person was living in the time of the Old Testament, but he lived by the New Testament. And today, many people being in the New Testament live still in the Old Testament. 
according to the consistency of the given prayer, we've established that the reason for it was a specific category of enemies that confronted David. This was first his per- personal flesh, just as our personal flesh, the, our first enemy, personified sin, not just sin, but sin comes to us by, uh, fl- the f- by flesh, either by other men or our own, and also because death is and personified death. And so death or sin, they're programs, they need a body to function. Our enemies are uh, personified sin and personified death. And for David, as well as for us, to hear the mercy of God early, we, like David, need to present to God legal grounds and a particular or specific right. And such evidence in this prayer, as we know, were ten unique in their nature arguments, demonstrating the right to be heard by God. And so presenting these arguments in his prayer, David said, hear me because of your faithfulness and your righteousness, because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I trust in you. This is an argument. This is evidence that you present before God why he needs to hear you. Because it hurts? Because I have a a situation I can't get out of? No. Hear me because I trust in you. Because I lift up my soul to you. Because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness sake. Hear me, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence of the faithfulness and righteousness that abided in David's heart. This served as a legal ground for God, giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies and stop to study the second argument. The second argument is the presented by David evidence that in his heart the memories of the days of old were imprinted and all of the deeds that God had done in those old days. According to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we began to study the form of evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. This item is a unique and continual memorial before God, identifying with itself continual prayer. The breastplate of judgment was created and served only one item. This was the Urim and the or unification of the Urim and the Thummim within the heart of a man, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and man to hear God within his heart. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, it was necessary to keep within your mind the work of God that he had done in the days of old, that is, his Thummim. The breastplate of judgment as a continual memorial before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill his will upon planet Earth. Therefore, prayer that does not satisfy the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. And further, a person praying such a prayer does not have the right to be called a warrior in prayer. Therefore, also does not have the right to approach God as an intercessor. 
praying the correct prayer gives you the right, not praying, the person not praying such a prayer does not have the right. As only the format of continual prayer presented in the breastplate of the high priest gives us the right to come close to God and enter into the holy place as kings and priests of God to present intercession that pursues his interests and his will. In the Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the urim and the thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments. Symbolically, the breastplate of judgment identifies a conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as a signet, in the twelve names of the patriarchs, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is imprinted. A conscience purified of dead works with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we have already looked at the measurements and nature of materials with which the breastplate of judgment was built, that we are called to be in accordance to within our own spirit, and stop to study the next requirement that states... Exodus 28, 17-21, And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be serious, topaz, and emerald. This is the first row. Second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row shall be beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. And if you can imagine that all of this is in our heart, we've noted that the twelve golden settings is the authority, rule, and order of the Word of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshippers of God are called to present within the foundation of our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones themselves being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. <coughs> And so our prayer would be configured in such a way adjusted that it exactly in the, be in accordance to the will of God, the word of God, that we ask what is according to his will. And God begins to hear it. But when you pray against his will, you actually resist God doing so. Oftentimes, children of God take the position of Satan just as Peter did in his time and said, Lord, feel sorry for yourself. Let this not happen to you. And Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. You speak not what is the will of God, but that what is the will of man. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that this is the strongest form of prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. The most powerful form of prayer is prayer that is in accordance to the breastplate of judgment, a persisting prayer. This is not speaking in tongues because this uh, shot was given to the Christian people that the most powerful form of prayer is speaking in tongues, and this is not true. Paul says, if I pray with the tongue of man, 
and even the tongue of angels, but do not have love, I am nothing. What purpose is there if you're praying in tongues and don't have love, you, you are nothing? If your prayer has the quality of these 12 precious stones, this is the unification of perfection, then you, if we don't have those qualities, nothing will happen. If you do, then it will work. Prayer that is again in accordance to the will of God. Building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. Growing the tree of life within your heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we note that all of the beauty and order of the temple was created for one holy item and served that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. It is also the same with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. Because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolize from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right, or revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth. This symbolizes Christ, and this truth in the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim, symbolizing the teaching of Christ. The light revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark also known as the mercy seat, is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. And this symbolizes again here we see the Holy Spirit. A worshiper of God is a person who has a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted within the boundaries of which the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit could reveal the mysteries of the Thummim. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 The friendship of the Thummim and Urim in the heart of a person is a unification of the two formats of wisdom, which state that the carrier of the Thummim and the Urim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. In a specific format, we have already looked at the five qualities of a warrior in prayer in the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God was able to continuously reveal his will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality and the precious diamond stone. <clears throat> we know that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone or the precious diamond stone that was upon the breastplate of judgment, upon the tablets of our heart, is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, Genesis 37, 8. The name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate, in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. Therefore, according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. 
But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jeremiah 10.10 the name of the living God is a format of an oath, and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely, you need to swear correctly, you need to correctly rely or, or swore falsely were utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name as the Lord lives, this is the path. The path is the, an entire discipline teaching how to swear by the name of the living God. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, that they shall be established in the midst of my people, but if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. So to not be plucked up and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Hai or the living God. These ways, are the, as much as we know, are the ways of the commandments and statutes of God. The condition that provides us the right to learn the ways of the commandments and statutes so we can swear by the name of the living God is the thirst or hunger to know them. <coughs> And that is, you need to have the position of a student. <clears throat> if you have hunger, but you're not, a st you're not a student, then this hunger is just coming from curiosity and not from your heart. Psalm 119.32-35 I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart when my heart will begin to bear fruit. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. The name of God alive or living is one who abides, one who is, with unconditional authority, one who defines the Genesis, creates the Genesis, holds the Genesis, keeps the Genesis, rules over the Genesis, and is commander and lord of the Genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21. Here it speaks of when you can swear by the name of the living God. What do you need? You shall fear the Lord your God. You need to have the fear of the Lord so that he be our treasure. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and take, and then you shall take oath in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. We note that the power of a warrior in prayer, contained within the virtue of the name of the living God, is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis in the allotted by Him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to look at and determine what goal God has in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man that right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God? According to the revelations written, revelations written in Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the brilliant diamond stone, needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of the heart, with thanksgiving, with joy in the future. 
fear of the Lord in the Holy Spirit. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identify the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer. Therefore, we will immediately turn to look at the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in your prayer, or prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But first, I would like to once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies. Because understanding the context or background of each quality, we will better understand the quality and character of, the, of true prayer. Continual, continual, the antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resisting. The antonym of diligent is lazy. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym, antonym of reverence is forsaking and hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resisting the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful, hard-hearted, and stiff-necked. The antonym of joy is sorrow and broken. And the antonym of fear of the Lord is the fear of man. As in the previous qualities of prayer, it is necessary for us to look at four classical questions. First, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow? And what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have? Second, what purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all the world? Third, what price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep or increase the fear of the Lord within our heart? Fourth, by what results are we, a are we able to examine ourselves or need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? And understandably, before we begin to look at the nature of the fear of the Lord, we need to diametrically separate it, that is, in the opposite direction of the fear of man. We will keep in mind that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two completely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, serving the program of eternal life that comes from God and the program of eternal death coming from the fallen cherubim by the first man of the flesh of Adam that became a programmable system for the program of the fear of man passing on this program to all mankind as his descendants first question from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow and what qualities does the fear of the Lord have <coughs> In Scripture, the quality or character that is included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed as a commandment, as a requirement, as a direct order that can't be ignored, and a military command that is to be fulfilled without deviation. If it is not fulfilled, the verdict is death. That is a final break of your peaceful relationship with God. The fear of the Lord flows from the spring of the wisdom of God and is a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, which is the heart of a born-from-God man that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind, one abiding in the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110, 10. The reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent on or dependent from. If we place our mind in dependence of man, 
We will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance and their religious ambitions. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions we will remove or move the commandments of God aside. If we place our mind from logical thinking or obtained experience, we will also be far from the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord as the wisdom of God does not depend from logical or rational thinking but rules over them. We will place our mind independent from the revelations of Scripture and that is when we will be able to be feared, filled with the fear of the Lord. That is His divine wisdom. We know well that the world in which we live there are a lot of different forms of fear and phobias and practically the whole earth is saturated with fear and phobias but all of these forms of fear come from one wellspring the fallen cherubim that were inherited by the first Adam during his sin and passed on genetically to all mankind and all of these forms of fear that are not the fear of God that is passed down from God. There is also a healthy form of fear that does not actually provide suffering. For example, you're driving on the street and if you're directing, you're, you're controlling your car uh, and you keep a distance in, uh, between you and the car in front of you uh, and you're, it's a reasonable thing to do to be safe. This is a reasonable uh, fear. Sometimes an inexperienced driver is in front of you or at, or at your side driving, and so you either need to uh, slow down or go in front of him or something different. But this fear you don't suffer from, it, you, you, it brings you peace. This healthy fear exists as well. We're talking about the fear of a man that is unhealthy, that is opposite to the fear of the Lord. The antonym of the fear of the Lord is the fear of man that contains the many forms and innumerable forms of fear with all of its forms of phobia as well. Let's look at the qualities and characteristics of fear that is not reasonable. The academic dictionary calls fear as fright, being careful of and horror. The dictionary also explains it as something that keeps you at a pause and also warns you, say, before something difficult or terrible happens. There's also different fears like fear of punishment or vengeance, fear of sickness, fear of death. Uh, fear of deadly viruses, fear of poverty, fear of insecurity or feeling unprotected, fear of hunger, fear of ending up ungrounded or unestablished, fear of heights or closed spaces. And so there are many different definitions of fear that people will give and generally are all coming to one thing as waiting for something bad or negative or unfortunate. I will bring forth some other examples that men uh, give fear. Fear has more power over us than hope, they say. Fear is waiting for the unavoidable vengeance. Fear can convince you of anything. The one that lives according to the fear of death dies hundreds of times. It is scary 
to something that you're not used to. Life bears fear, and people ride upon the back of fear. Fear is uh, ill-experienced. One is afraid who is also dangerous for many. And so considering as the fear of man, as the fear that comes from above, is a genetical program that a person inherits during his birth, a person filled with the, not filled with the fear of the Lord lives an earthly life where there's no place to communicate with God. In the moment when your link with God is broken, According to scripture, a person that knows and is filled with the fear of the Lord is freed or delivered from any forms of fear. Because any form of fear that comes not from God brings forth suffering. But God's fear brings a person into great awe and pla places him into great safety. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 John 4.18 Therefore, if our worship is done without the fear of the Lord, contained within the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God, or to serve God without the presence of the fear of the Lord deeply offends God, does not consider God, and actually confronts God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of the man fear of man or human fear. People that are bound by human fear these people march to hell first. If you know that there are people that in the parades, for example, who go first, then these are the officers that go first. These are people who have the fear of man. Revelations 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, bird, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelations 21.8. The word fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical because they identify the moral virtues of God. Due to their ident ident the fact that they're so identical, they want come one from the other and identify, the, identify each other. That is why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom which is in the commandments of the Lord. True wisdom as the commandments of the Lord identified the fear of the Lord that identifies the given law of God. Deuteronomy 4, 5, 6. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. According to this place of scripture, the fear of the Lord is based upon the revelation of the nature of God that is sealed in the words that come from his mouth, that is presented by the Holy Spirit in the unchanging given laws of God 
for everything under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, and then 8, 6 through 7. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. According to this place of scripture, a person who possesses within his heart uh, the knowledge of time and for everything, a time and, and, a, and the seasons, he possesses within his heart the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> In Psalm 112, 1 through 3, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. <clears throat> Praise the Lord is used specifically by righteous men. <clears throat> Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Psalm 33.1 And the unique word, hallelujah, which also is praise the Lord, it doesn't just lift God up, it also includes all of the names and titles of God, and when it conf is confessed by the righteous, it gives God the ability to fulfill and pour out all of God's will upon on the person uh, proclaiming. The word hallelujah includes all the names and titles of God. And so when you proclaim hallelujah, then it has all of the names and titles of God. Again, and unlawfully confessing this word, it gives God grounds to pour out his wrath upon man. Considering that the word is a seed, in this place of scripture, uh, the words of David, this is a man that fears the Lord, this a person who fears the Lord is a person that abides within Jesus Christ, whether it's a man or a woman, and confesses with his mouth faith and hope that is in his heart, and the inheritance of the glorious hope of God. Therefore the phrase, his seed shall be great on earth, the confessions of this person, being man or a woman, will be equal by their power and their effect as the words of God that come out of his mouth. The phrase where it says, wealth and riches will be in his house it talks about the fact that the wealth and riches in his house, house are the, is that fear of the Lord the concluding word that his righteousness endures forever is that the person who is a carrier and a demonstrator of the fear of the Lord is one who will perform the righteousness of God that endures forever to possess the fear of the Lord is to treat the words of God, God's commandments, God's statutes, God's instructions with fear and understanding the order of worshiping God and re having reverence also to God's order within these instructions. Isaiah 66, 2, But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. According to the above-read place of Scripture, the criteria identifying men that fear God is knowing the way of the Lord and the ability to walk in the ways of the Lord. 
The way of the Lord is the will of God or the desire of God. It consists in the commandments, ordinances, and statutes of God. They identify and include the unchanging and good goals of God, God's aspiration of these unchanging and good goals, and God's means necessary for achieving these unchanging and good goals. Also, the ways of man is the will or mode of a, ma of a man pursuing his own personal goals and his own personal direction. He attempts to use his own personal means as well as God's means to achieve his goals. We know that you can pursue good goals using unfaithful means and the opposite attempting to use faithful means having unfaithful motives. The one and the other are the paths or the ways of man that is opposite to the ways of God. Understanding the ways of God is a collaborative effort of man and God. And understanding the ways of God, you need to understand them, understand them by using God's means. Human goals or man's goals are generally not God's goals, but they just use the means and abilities of God to be able to reach their own goals. And often, these are the gifts of God and blessings of God and His anointing that are uh, men attempt to use for their own personal goals. Joel 3.5, Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried it into your temples, my prized possessions. And this complaint of God in this situation are against the hearts of men that use God's means for their own personal purposes. Daniel 5.2, while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which, he had, been in, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. He wanted to show how great and powerful he is. Belshazzar means may God protect his life. This was also the name of Daniel, the head of the wise men of the Babylonian kingdom. The king valued him so much that he gave him the name Belshazzar, may God protect your life. He was necessary for him because this person had wisdom and the king wanted God, and this king wanted God to protect this wisdom. And he was a programmable system of God, and God gave him, the, and the king gave him this name Belshazzar. So then, as well as today, Belshazzar, in their most part, are not follow followers of Daniel, but people who use God's gifts to fulfill their own personal will and their own personal desires. Here's what Apostle Jude uh, wrote about this. These are spots in your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, Jude 1.12. They do not have fear. That means that they left the Holy Spirit and proclaimed their own rights, their own, inher their own inheritance of hope and their own teachings or false teachings. Often the Holy Spirit abandons people not when they sin, but when they reject correction.
being self-convinced uh, in their own personal lawlessness. God does not leave a person when he falls in sins. He actually is very close to this person, begins to tell him and show him, is trying to show him a way out that you need to repent and receive correction. And only when this person rejects correction, then God rejects him. He doesn't reject him for the uh, sin he had done, but corrects him in his thinking. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die, Proverbs 15.10. A person who tries to uh, avoid correction is one who avoids the paths of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, that identify the fear of the Lord. This person is in the likeness of this un or, or fruitless tree that is twice removed. Outwardly, having, being in the midst of God's people, this person by himself pulls him up by himself up by the root in the midst of these people because the life and pulls himself out from the life source of God because the life of God is, per, is pretty much uh, functioning by the fear of the Lord. And so the behavior of these people is that they'll always be criti uh, critics or will, cri will criticize and will generally do so in areas that are not theirs and especially will criticize those that are uh, God's delegated authority. They will be criticizing the gifts of God that were given to them and also their moral values. They will be uh, criticizing. And so it will be testimony of the fact that they, there's an absence of the fear of the Lord in their heart. Jeremiah 4.18, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. Jeremiah 4.18, so he says, it is not my prophet that is at fault that corrects you, but it is your uncleanness that... And so these Belshazzars also uh, state that if they have possessed this... Uh, physical silver that is in their hands that uh, possess silver, possess money, wealth. Uh, you know that there are many MSRs today that go around churches trying to teach how to earn or obtain more money. And so they gather people and they're oriented on uh, making more money or earning more money. And so the vessels that they satisfy with from or they drink from are the people that bite uh, their deceptive teachings. And so if there is anybody amongst the children of God that are actually wealthy or God has allowed to become wealthy, then that means that he has blessed him so that he can be a blessing for others as well. Or, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, Romans 12, 7 through 8. 
And so the scriptures say, 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in living God, who gives us riches and gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so to have fear of the Lord means to rely upon the living God that reveals to us the paths and success of business and other things as well. Psalm 103.7, He who made his ways to Moses, who made his uh, ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. When God called me to this service, I said, Lord, but I'm not an organizer. I don't have, I don't know how to organize uh, groups. From the organization I came out of, I did not agree with. This was the organization of man. If you sent me, then reveal to me your strategy, your organization, and God began to reveal it to me. I, I'm not an organizer by birth, I'm an organizer uh, and I base my organization on God's revelations. So that the business of man not become his idol and that he would not uh, and so that does not be uh, something that rules over him. He needs to honor the delegated authority of God that is in the church. And a wealthy person doesn't need to be a teacher or a prophet if he's going to be a blessing the prophet and the teacher, then he will also obtain the same reward as that prophet or teacher. And so this uh, widow, if you remember, that was inside, and she uh, blessed Elijah. They, no, nobody at the time had any food. Everyone was dying from food. And the, the last that she had, the flower that was in her cot, she made first for Elijah and she, she shared with Elijah the blessing. We know that the church that was in Macedonia, they had great need, but they were very uh, generous and it was and they were so generous that they actually surprised the people around them. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Matthew 10, 40-41. Fulfilling our role faithfully, we in this way uh, construct our way before the face of God and obtain power that is considered by others and accepted by others that, and that path we carry responsibility for. Second Chronicles 27.6 So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. The essence of uh, preparing your way before the Lord as Jotham, that you need to accurately follow the words as he did the words of the priests. Even the little in the fear of the Lord is better than the treasure, great treasure.
that has trouble. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Proverbs 15, 16. The fear of the Lord is one of the names of God that God uses and uses to defend those that are His, that fear Him, and protects them from the sly and devious fleshly people attempting to use their work for their own greedy goals. Genesis 31:42. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, as you notice, God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God had seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. In many other places, we'll also see that when the holy people turn to God, they call him fear by name. The fear of the Lord contains the beginning of wisdom, and it is pure in its beginnings and its demonstration. And as a law-giving pr program of God, it, has, it abides within the hearts of men forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, Psalm 19.9. And it is a program, again, that can function within a person with a pure heart. And first, this programmable system is God, and the fear of the Lord is in God, and then the man that is his, or men that are his. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. Ecclesiastes 3.14 the purity of the fear of the Lord that is in his wisdom is identified by the absence of all kinds of human mix, uh, human additions or mixtures of any kind or human chaff. The fear of the Lord in man is equal to silver that is uh, cleansed in the furnace and melted seven times. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, Psalm 12, 6. It's strange. Why, is the, why, if the word of the Lord is pure, why does it need to be purified again? Because this is the word of the Lord that is in the earth. Earth that is, is a material from which man was uh, created symbolizes man who came to God and believed in God in, in whom there is a wilting and destruction due to sin. In the beginning, the word of the Lord in man received in the form of a seed is mixed into the chaff of the human of human interpretations but afterwards by the means of, of fire from the furnace the word of the Lord in man is cleansed from the chaff of the interpretations of man do not lie in wait a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous do not plunder his resting place for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again but the wicked shall fall by calamity Proverbs 24 15 16 at the time of falling 
a person falling, God cleanses him in this moment or, or purifies him. Uh, why? Because he had something. The, the, he sinned because there was something there. And you say, Lord, this sin was terrible and I hate it, but I did it. What you believed, what you confessed, uh, it had the chaff of your own interpretations, your own ideas in it. And when you used when you used the principle of God, it couldn't hold. You fell into sin, and after he fell into sin, a person begins to see. And so it says, for a righteous man may fall seven times. Seven is just a number of perfection or wholeness. And the law of Moses, a symbol of silver, seven times melted in the furnace to purify the silver from the earth particles and make it pure. We see this demonstrated in the cleansing of a man from his leprosy. When the priest uses water mixed with blood from the offered bird, sprinkles the leprous man seven times and then pronounces him clean. Seven times melted, seven times sprinkled. Why sprinkle seven times? What, is it not enough to do it once? That means the Lord wanted to show how he cleans in man. He, he cleanses his silver in man, the word that he gives, that a person receives, and then begins to ex interpret with his mind. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, They shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds cedar wood scarlet and hyssop and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earth earthen vessel over running water as for the living bird he shall take it the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field Leviticus 14, 1-7. through And so this bird dipped in blood with hyssop. We know that scarlet is the teaching of the blood of Christ. Uh, cedar is justification. And so the living bird is the resurrection of Christ. This is the death and that of the one that is uh, killed and the and the dipping into its blood and then the living bird with the scarlet tied to it is uh, let go in, in, into the open field and so as soon as he the bird is loose into the field he flies away he no longer sees your sin because he sees the resurrection of Christ and the price of this resurrection this was the blood the price of the blood of the Son of God this very concept of cleansing by the fear of the Lord we see in the healing of Naaman. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Second Kings 5.14 I just brought forth a few examples so that we understand how silver is purified from the uh, elements or particles of the earth or our, our human or intellectual chaff. The fear of the Lord in the heart of a person who believes in God or, or fears the Lord, one who fears the Lord in his heart, is the future hope that 
cannot be lost. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the days. For surely there is a there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 23, 17, 18. Until a person abides in the fear of the Lord that identifies in man the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven, in him there is a good future that is contained in the promises of hope that a person is that God is vigilant over so that it can be fulfilled in a hurry in order to keep it within your heart or keeping your heart this fear of the Lord that is the living uh, the given law given law of God as well identified as the given law of God it is necessary to have within our heart it is necessary for us not to be envious of the sinner that present themselves as people of righteousness or persons of righteousness. Let's look at the contemplation of Asaph, Psalm 78, 1-28. Give ear, my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and know, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them for their, from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. One brother told me, I remember, I, I told him, you don't, you don't uh, run your business fairly. But he says, this has nothing to do with God. Business is business. You can lie and deceive people and, and, your, and your brothers, sisters even. It's, it's not okay, but he didn't want to fix it. And it says, But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness, and they tested God in their hearts by asking for the food of their fancy. Yet they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the water gushed out. Therefore the Lord heard this and was furious, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they did not believe in God. He, yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow. And so in this book, if you keep reading, he says that he became envious of these people, but they unfortunately fell in the midst of the camp and all around the dwellings, as it says in the end. <coughs> for all of the sins that they had done. And so don't be envious of those Christians that are richer, but, <coughs> but obtain this money in an unfair manner, because at one point they will be destroyed and go to hell, but you have the future, you have hope. The fear of the Lord is the true treasury of man, that fear the Lord, that is contains in itself safe times for these people and salvation and 
wisdom. Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. You see what our wealth is supposed to be, the fear of the Lord. And so according to this prophetic promise, if the fear of the Lord in the hearts of those who fear him will be their treasure, the fear of the Lord, then when the world will be full of fear because of all of the trials, God will uh, provide stable times for these people. The world is already at a brink. It will experience, you know how soon uh, if you remember how what happened with the economy uh, uh, had fallen before today there are other uh, it, it's also possible for this to happen again they had asked Putin a question how are you looking how are you looking at the economy it's like a pyramid it could fall at any time as soon as any government forbids uh, this uh, currency to be used it could be uh, it, it will uh, start experiencing uh, destruction and so there are dark powers and there are governments that are over other governments masons, even illuminatis that allow uh, things to happen but God will just mix up their cards they do one thing, God will do something different there's going to be lots of fears, hunger and sickness and all other and a lot of other kinds of things but at this time for you you will have safe times you will have these uh, times of stability you will have wisdom they'll look at you and you will not have need you will have much and will give others uh, you will you will allow others to borrow actually why was this widow uh, blessed in the way she was? It's not because she had a business, but because she had an everyday miracle in her household. Every, as much as she eats and she feeds the prophet, but she keeps eating, but she still has more flour, she still has more oil, and it does not diminish. She don't need much. You just It is enough that it just not, uh, not go away or not end. God will do something that will surprise everybody. For you, these times of stability will be and strength of salvation. And so that death is an enemy God has redeemed us from the... Uh, from death, God has redeemed the uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so the spirits delivered, the soul can will be delivered, but the body still remains mortal. But God redeemed the body so that uh, once he... Uh, he's going to can death within the body and, uh, will allow, and will take power from it. As soon as the new person will dress us and will be dressed into our new person, then death in our mortal body will lose power, will lose its strength. It won't not be able to do anything. And life will obtain more power and will begin to reveal itself. And this kind of body, you will not be able to kill, you will not be able to starve, you will not be able to threaten. If you can imagine trying to threaten God who would say, come down right now uh, in the midst of men.
It means nothing. The threats are, he has wisdom, and we will completely depend from the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit in this position. Further, the fear of the Lord in the mercy and truth atonement is provided for iniquity and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil Proverbs 16, 6 we need to know and so safety can be received from God only upon Zion and so during time of mourning you'll receive safety upon Zion Psalm 84.5-7 Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, and they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And so evil will not touch men uh, when something happens. Uh, this will be a valley of tears, but it won't be for you. you it doesn't mean you will mourn. Pass through, passing through the valley of Baca, then you receive blessings. You will not find mourning. When others will be mourning, all will be afraid of the coming trials, you will be absolutely at peace. Absolutely at peace. They're saying some kind of... Uh, uh, that some kind of uh, meteorite or something will fall upon us, or a, a foolish dictator has something that he wants to throw upon our country, or... They say that, that uh, a rocket is flying. Uh, uh, there was notifications in Hawaii that there was a rocket flying from Korea directly upon Hawaii. And they were showing this also on television. And I saw how people were hiding and crawling into all kinds of spaces uh, to try to save their lives. And a husband and a daughter standing together as if we're gonna if we're gonna die, we're gonna die together, already preparing for death. And only forty minutes later they said, I'm sorry, this was a mistake. We're going to uh, fire this person who brought uh, forth this notification. And, uh, they say in 20 minutes it's going to reach your land and it's going to destroy you. And people truly were afraid. There's a lot of fears. And these are real fears. Uh, but when many illnesses are going to come at, uh, uh, get out of control, let's just say, in, and the medical world will not be able to help because there's not going to be uh, any uh, cure for it. Hundreds of thousands will die, but you will be calm because every virus is going to die when you touch it. The fear of the Lord contains contains in itself the quality of mercy and righteousness with which sin is cleansed and leads a person that fears the Lord from away from sin.
or from evil. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Proverbs 16, 6. Mercy that is contained in the fear of the Lord consists in the wise and willful decision of a person to forgive those who offend him upon the condition that they are not unclean or lawless people. And so the lawless and unclean, of course, are those who uh, don't just offend you but offend God, but those who are not unclean and lawless, just others, uh, those you forgive. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, then neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6, 14, 15. When they uh, read this place of scripture, many people, uh, they, they uh, read this place as if God forgives all men. But right before the, these two places, uh, these two uh, verses, uh, there was a, par a parable that Jesus had said about, had uh, explained to the disciples. And so, there was a servant that owed a hundred thousand uh, denaria, and because he couldn't pay back, he pleaded with the master, and the master forgave uh, uh, forgave uh, this person all this debt. And then this very person who owed the money went to one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and started choking him, making him pay him back. And when the master found out about the behavior of this man, he said uh, he 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 threw him in prison and uh, he would be there until he'd pay back all his debt. And so the fellow servant that was with him are those uh, Christian people that walk with you. If you will forgive each other, not just the world, not just the uh, sinners that sin against you, but each other. When you sit, forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us and not just anyone. And so when someone, unchristian people offend me, say, I don't, it's not that I forgive them, I uh, go to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, protect me from them, and, uh, and the Lord would protect me, and then they would become afraid and come and apologize themselves. I, I'm sorry that this turned out this way, let us be friends, and so forth. Because I say, Lord, protect me. But when my brother uh, offends me, uh, I, I don't have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, protect me. He's going to say, this is your brother. Forgive him. I had two brothers that were also photographers with me. And the younger always wanted to take something from the older and always uh, lied to him with, uh, and tr tricked, uh, tricked the older brother. But when they tell the older brother, he's doing this to you, he said, be silent, it's my brother. He didn't go uh, to deal with his brother and ask him why he was doing this. He says, no, this is my brother. Uh, and that's it. I, I asked him, what, what is upon your heart? He says, I understand this, is, understand this is my brother. And he's surprisingly looking at me, uh, seeing uh, if I understand what he's saying. Whatever he may take from me, he's still my brother. I then thought about this. If unchristian people can 
behave this way with his own brother? Why cannot Christ, when, why can't Christians forgive in this manner? When we forgive, God will then avenge us. If you remember when Paul wrote about one person that robbed his master and then ended up in prison and he was in prison with Paul and there Paul uh, repents or, or he, this man repents before Paul and then Paul sends a message to the master of this person forgive him let this be on me and so he asked for, for the master to forgive him. I send him back, not as a servant, but as a brother of yours. Receive him back. And so that's the forgiveness he's talking about. And not just forgiving anyone, but only brothers by faith. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Here we're talking about... Here we're talking about uh, righteousness. Uh, if you remember that Daniel had presented this to Nebuchadnezzar, Therefore, O King, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel 4.27 But as there were poor people in his kingdom and he was responsible for them, he says, Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. And so, in other words, repent and your peace Possibly your prosperity will fear. The fear of the Lord is the personified teacher of wisdom that teaches the humble to dress them into his glory, into their new person, created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Proverbs 15.33 Considering that fear of the Lord as a program, out of a programmable system, cannot be uh, teach or, uh, anyone anything for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians 1.20 and to receive the preached word and learn from the delegated authority of God about the fear of the Lord we need to pay the appropriate price that is humility that is obedience to the words of the delegated of God that will teach us the fear of the Lord. Being taught the fear of the Lord, we will be able to be dressed into the promise of His glory that is our new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth. Our time is up. We will bend our knees and our heads, however, who is comfortable. And let us pray and thank God for the word we were able to hear today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you again and again for this surprising opportunity to listen 
and attend and receive with our heart your fear, your given law, your wisdom. This is truly a treasure that abides forever, that will lead us through all sorrows and all difficulty, that gives us the ability to have long-suffering, waiting for the fulfillment of this promise. You said that Abraham waited a long time, and you gave him long-suffering, and you teach us patience that there's a time for everything. Today we have this wealth that is incomparable with all wealth, all the wealth of the world. Those principles and truth that you've revealed to us, they today are the precious stones that you give and no money of this world can compare to them this world will pass away all will be burned and the deeds of man with their wisdom will be burned but what we have within our hearts will transform into the new heaven and new earth upon which righteousness will rule you will be with us and we will be before you immortal you said about your servants, about Abraham and other righteous men, that they were always living. Dead are the ones that are away from you, dis in distance from you, by sin and in hell. But those who left their bodies and went to you, they're still immortal and living. And the time will come when you will rise their bodies in glorious resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that you've revealed the surprising promise that before our body will be transformed in the blink of an eye our bodies can be dressed into the new person so that to show the power of your redemption over death to show here on earth to the righteous one that he with his eyes could see in his body how your promises are fulfilled that if you redeemed a person then you redeemed his spirit soul and his body also and we today wait for the dressing of our new person into our new person and we wait for the transformation of our bodies into the glorious body of your son Jesus Christ we thank you Lord for this revelation and we continue to ask and pray that you reveal to us the conditions that are necessary to be dressed into this new person, how we confess the not existent as existent, how we receive this into our heart, how to treat sicknesses that today are still torturing our bodies. But I thank you that these illnesses that today are in the body of your people, when they receive your justification, they stop being the result of sin. They are the result of suffering in your Son, Jesus Christ, by whom you bring a person to cleansing. We thank you for this glorious and great privilege to come to you, to go enter your presence, to glorify you, to worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.